Well, we're in Isaiah chapter 51 again, and I hope tonight to get into a verse uh, or two in chapter 52. We need to remember that the chapter, uh, chapters and verses were added by, by man. I believe there's an inspiration to it, but we have to understand that sometimes when we're reading Scripture, we're reading uh, something the same uh, speech across sometimes several chapters. From about Isaiah chapter 40 onwards, Isaiah is really speaking to a future generation of people in the isles or coastlands of the earth. And we were actually discussing this the other night among, with some leaders um, and, and saying that when the Bible speaks about the ends of the earth, it doesn't mean what you and I need it to be, which is like the far from corners of the globe and stuff. It's actually a specific geographical location, which is the northwest of Europe, or we could say the British Isles. Um, so you could interpret these verses to that future generation at the end of time in the British Isles. And that's why he speaks in this passage. My righteousness is near, verse 5. My salvation is going forth. Mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arms shall they trust. Now, I believe we can take that to be the British Isles. In other words, we can take these prophetic words. Scripture can be applied to our present situation. Very often God speaks prophetically. Um, just using any verse he chooses by his own counsel and will to speak directly to people in their situation where they are. Amen? So we're receiving these verses today. I believe that God is speaking to us. You know, we're, we're speaking about... It says here, if you look, let's just read at... Um, it says in verse... Um, Nine. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, the generation of old. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Now, what he's saying here, the prophet Isaiah, now it's interesting he's telling God to wake up. But it's not God that needs to wake up, it's you and I. Have you ever had a dream? that was so real, so vivid when you're in the middle of that dream and it's reality, it's all the reality you know when you're dreaming and then you wake up and you realise, oh wait a minute, that's not reality, I'm now in reality. My waking state, but you know there's a state beyond the state we're in right now. And it's, a, it's an awakening to the realities of God, the kingdom of God and his purpose. There was a time you slept and were in death because the Bible reckons that type of sleep to death. Dead in your sins until you awoke. It's interesting that the PC agenda right now is, is known as being woke, isn't it? If you're PC, if you're right on, you're woke, man. But woke is the counterfeit of being awakened by the Spirit. You don't want to be woke by the devil. You want to be wakened by the Spirit of God. And, and, and that even applies to us as Christians. We've been awakened to the realities of, 
of Christ as Saviour and Lord, but, but it's like we said, we're pressing on to higher ground. There's further revelation. We want to go higher, deeper. We're having Friday night meetings uh, up in, in our place in the Revival Centre in Glasgow, and, and we're pressing on. We're, we're, we're seeking God. You see, well, we, we do that every Sunday in church. But I, some, I think sometimes God looks for a response from us. Beyond the normal, beyond church as usual, beyond business as usual, God is looking for a people who will sell out to him. And a lot of Christians won't do that. They just like it. Just, oh well, I'm just happy to go along. But God is seeking a remnant people to bring about his purpose in the earth. So he says, awake, O arm of the Lord, as in the ancient days, in the generation of old, he reminds the Lord of the Lord's own victory over Egypt, because that Rahab is a, uh, it's a, a, a metaphor for Egypt. When God took a people who were in bondage, the devil will always bring, try to bring, should I say, God's people into bondage. Sometimes he manages and so the people who are in bondage, God has to set them free. So he brings them out of Egypt and he takes them into the promised land and sometimes with the wilderness. But you see Rahab, so, that, so Isaiah is reminding God, remember what you did to Egypt. Egypt is a type a symbol, an emblem if you like, and he mentions the dragon World powers that come against God's people. Whether that was national Israel back in the day, or Judah as well, the southern kingdom, or whether it's God's people in the ecclesia, the church. But there are always powers that rise up, horns, powers, that rise up against God's people. And what do they try to bring them into bondage? And that's where we are right now. Did you know lockdown is a prison term? Oh, there's going, there could be a second lockdown. They're loving it. Because lockdown means bondage. It's not freedom, is it? Uh, so, he's saying, are you not the one? That defeated Egypt in the past. He said, we need it now, Lord. And they certainly did it this particular time. But let's apply this now prophetically to our generation. Say, don't we need the God who rescued his people from the bondsmen of Egypt? Egypt is always that type of the world, the world system. In the book of Zechariah, you had the four horns that locked down Judah. In Jerusalem. And four is symbolic of globalism because it speaks of north, south, east, west. The four horns that came. Four powers. Glo the powers of globalism. The powers of globalism. I don't know what you want to call it. Globalism, the world order, Babylon, Leviathan, the beast, the dragon. The Bible has many names and terms for the same thing, which is a system of governance and government that is opposed to God, his word and his people and that book 
opposed to all of that and seeks to impose its own will and purpose upon God's people and upon the sheep nations that God has in the earth. Britain, but of course, for many, many years was such a sheep nation. Raised up by God for his will and purpose in the earth. To spread the word of God and, and indeed the kingdom of God. Not perfect, but they said it was, uh, the empire was perfect, or, but still used it. Yeah, Israel wasn't perfect, but it was still the apple of God's eye. And so the prophet is saying, Lord, we, 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 you need to wake up here. We, you need to do something. Have you felt like that recently in your prayer time? Because if you haven't, I've got two words for you. Awake! Awake! So what's going on in the earth? And call upon him who is able. It's not God that needs to awake, but it feels like it is. But it's you and I. We need to awake and we need to arise. Okay, let's just press on. He says here, therefore, the redeemed of the Lord, verse 11, shall return and come with singing unto Zion. Now, I, 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 I laugh at this with someone the other night because as lead, someone who leads a meeting, it's just natural to say, so let's sing our next hymn. But we're not supposed to sing. But I don't know that I'll ever manage to break that habit. And nor should I, because the redeemed of the Lord come with singing unto Zion. Not with silence. It's all you, you're going to rebel. It's not rebellion. It's defiance and resistance. There's a difference. Satan's a rebel. And we're not, we're not rebellious people. But we are people who say like Peter did. Should we obey God? Or men rather than God? And of course the answer is no. So I'm not going to get angry if you sing. Amen. But we'll come with singing unto Zion. Everlasting joy shall be upon the dead. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and mourning shall flee away. We're, we're in a, a place of sorrow and mourning right now. Because we don't have life as we knew it. We don't have church as we knew it. We don't have fellowship as we knew it. We don't have the freedoms and liberties. We're having to wear these things. Upon our faces, muzzles. Those things are a sign of servitude and bondage. They're not safety protocols. I'm not saying that they don't serve a purpose, but if you study the science and you always say follow the science, then anyway, we're not going to speak about mass. I'm not going to preach about mass. Hey, so it says here, I, even I, this is the Lord speaking, and you know, we need to hear from God. I am he that comforteth you. Isn't the Holy Ghost our comforter? He's the one that comforts us. I love that old hymn. The comforter has come. Everybody in this room needs the comforter, the presence. God, the Holy Spirit, comforting our hearts, our minds, every part of us. I am the comfort of you. Then he asked the question, who are you? Who art thou? See, 
we might sometimes coddle our feet. Well, you know, it's, it's understandable for us to be fearful of this. Oh, dear, it's understandable that you're scared right now. God doesn't. He comforts us, but he doesn't coddle us. He says, who are you to be scared of man? God is not happy when we're scared of man. The fear of man brings a snare. Oh, it's understandable that, I'd, that you'd fear that person or whatever. Not to the Lord. Because Christ is in us. And God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-control. So the fear of man has no place in the heart or thinking of a child of God. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that lovely. It's, it's not easy sometimes because we're all, the devil's always trying to intimidate us, particularly through certain people. But he says, Who art thou that thou shouldst be afraid of a man? And he's not talking about a specific man here. He's, talk, he's talking about being afraid of, I would put it to you, of governments, of rulers. Of people who make laws that will bring you into bondage. In other words, he would say to the Israelites, not to be afraid of the Egyptians, if you understand. Or in this case, of uh, Babylonians. In other words, anybody who has a, a governmental agenda or intent that will bring you into oppression and bondage. You know, I preached this passage. Many times, I think I've preached it here probably several times, but not until right now has it become really so valid and so applicable because what's going on is oppressive, isn't it? And, and, and you know, all the different things that are going on, the ramifications of this virus in terms of the, the lockdown, the protocols, social distancing, where Boston Billy told what, how, what to do. Rather than say, well, just use common sense, use just good sense, we'll leave it up to you guys. No, 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 Let, we shall do this. You know, when, when, you, when you're on the train and the drivers or whoever is the train manager is saying to you, when you get off this train, make sure you've got your mask on or the police will frame you. It's oppressive. Oh, but it's for our good. Not all of it. And the Bible says, doesn't it, to test the spirits. What is behind it all? If you believe that our governments have nothing, nothing, except our, our benefit and good, we all that's going on. I, I have a prince to sell you. See me afterwards. I'll just tell you who to write the check to. But the Bible tells us that the, the governments of men are anti-God, anti-Christ and have to be uh, restrained by the saints. Then we don't trust them. I'm not here to preach an anti-government message. It's not a rebellion thing. But I'm here to preach this word. Awake! Awake to what's going on. Then he says this, and forget it. See, when you fear man, you forget the Lord your maker. 
The fear of man and the forgetting of God, two sides of the same coin. When you fear man, you don't fear God. In fact, you forget. Time and time again, we, we, we've seen it in, in history that those who feared God more than men suffered horrible consequences. The loss of liberty, the loss of livelihood, or the loss of life. But there were always those who rather than, if you like, take the martyr's path, took the path of compromise. Why? Because they feared man more than they feared God. And they forgot the Lord their name. That has stretched forth the heavens, laid the foundation of the earth, has feared continually, every day because of the fury of the oppressor. In other words, you say, every day, all day long, you're scared, you're scared, you're scared, because of the fury of the, well, if I don't do this right, and, and, oh, and, 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 you know, you're walking maybe in, in, into the supermarket and you realise that your mask has slipped below your own because someone might put me up. And I'm just using the mask thing as an example, but this is a this is a spirit, brothers and sisters, of the fear of man that brings God's people into a snare and bondage. He's talking here about oppression. He's talking here about bondage. He's talking here about the fear of man being the thing that, bond, that brings us into bondage. As if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The Lord is saying this to us tonight. I really believe this. Where is the fury of the oppressor? And put it this way. So what? If you lose your life. You can't defeat the devil. You cannot defeat the devil if your life is more precious to you than your faith in your Lord and your God. Over in Revelation chapter 12, it says, They overcame him, the dragon, the serpent, by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, yes, the blood. By the word of their testimony. Oh yes, let's testify. It says, and they love not their lives unto the death. Jesus spoke about it, says, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you spend your life on that, I'm not saying we become reckless. We're not talking about being reckless. We're talking about saying that we have to deal, if we want to go through with God, if we want to see victory over this crisis in our nation, crisis in the world, we have to be people who are not precious about our own life. You have to count your own life forfeit in many ways. Sad to say that that was a, a normal thing among our, our forefathers. Here in England, the Puritans, the Reformers, up in Scotland, the Reformers, the Covenanters, our forefathers in these islands understood that what the Apostle Paul says is that as apostles, he says, we're appointed unto death. In other words, being a Christian in many, and being a Christian in many countries right now is a death sentence. We know little of that here. It's not that we, we seek to die or we seek, but it, it, we're ready because Christ is all in all and far more important than our personal safety or really any other consideration. 
you have to be prepared to lay down your life. To follow the one who laid down his life for you now. That's Christianity. Not coming to church, singing a few hymns, knowing the Apostles' Creed, having a theological background or understanding. You have to have that intimate relationship with him. Where if he says, your life, give it as well. We know little of that in the West. We know little of that in the 21st century. And we've had many, many years. You know, when I was a young Christian growing up, I'm sure some of you are the same, that, that was what you were taught. That was, that, was, that was just the standard thing. But we've raised a generation of flabby Christians who are all about ease and comfort rather than following the Master wherever he leads us. And if that means our death. Or that means our loss. Anyway, let's press on because our time is short. And he says here, uh, the captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed. What is a captive exile? Do you know, it's a bit of an oxymoron because a captive is someone who's locked down. Locked down. Prisoner. Captives are prisoners. But exiles are people who are locked out. Aren't they? But have you felt that you were a captive exile during the lockdown? Locked down in your home and locked out of the life you do? Locked out of being able to go outside? Locked out of all that was normal to you? Locked out of your place of work? A stranger in your own country, but also a captive. You will not find liberty, brothers and sisters, in any system of government where, that, where those who govern us are not governed by this world or by a relationship with God. That's why it doesn't matter how, how, how long it takes, we're going to find ourselves captive exiles if our government, if our national leaders are not people of God or people of his word or who will do his purpose in even in Britain, even in America. All right. So the captive exile hasted, but he's desperate that he may be loosed or set free, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. You know, I'm, 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 I've been speaking about this recently. I go into high streets, I go into places, restaurants, different places of business. You get to supermarkets, booming. You get to other businesses. But you go down the high street, shops closed. Shutters down, for sale, too late. Businesses that maybe you once patronised. Because, and, and people worried about their jobs not being back. That their bread, worried that their bread should fail. This, this, this is really speaking to us, this passage. Britain 2020, Scotland 2020, Carlisle 2020. So what's God's answer then? Because he's just described so much of what we're living through. He says, God's answer is, but I am the Lord thy God. Yeah, that's all going on. You're scared and you're worried and, and you're desperate to be loosed, but I'm the Lord thy God. We always have to remember 
that the reset God wants us to have is that we know who he is. It's the same thing he said to Moses, I am that I am. The I am is the answer. I am Jehovah thy God. Then he says that divided the sea whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts or the Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He said to them, I did it before, and, and I, my response will always be the same. I will always slay the dragon. I will always divide the sea and make a way for you to pass over. Because you see, the devil is limited in strategy and tactics. He just keeps trying the same thing. But every time he does, I'll defeat him. And there will be, in the end times, a once for all fall of Babylon, the dragon in the sea. I believe we're there. But we've, we've seen it in history. We've seen God slay the dragon in the Re Reformation. We've seen Rahab cut and wounded to the point where the Roman Catholic religion institution was almost wiped out. So greatly did God move in the days of Reformation and sins. And then he says, here's the answer. This is, this is well, what can we do? Here's the answer. I've put my words in thy mouth. I've covered thee in the shadow of my hand, which speaks of his power or the, the Holy Spirit. So obviously he gives you his word and he gives you the Holy Spirit. That I may plant the heavens and lay the foundation of the earth and say unto Zion, thou art my people. What God is saying is, the answer is always the answer, my word and my spirit. And with those you bring the kingdom, you plant it where you are. Even if it's as a seed. And you lay new foundations because the, the old foundations have crumbled and fallen away. In other words, back to the book and back to the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. No, God must have something new in our generation. Yes and no. It's the ancient remedy, but it's a fresh empowering and anointing and filling. God is looking for a people who put this word in their mouths and be vessels of fire and glory for the Holy Ghost to manifest himself. Well, just as we close, I, I want to just very quickly look, as I said, Isaiah 52, we're skipping some verses here, but Isaiah 52 begins again with those words, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. That's God's word I believe to us today. Awake, put on your strength. Be the people of God. Be the royal priesthood. Be light. Be salt. Be kings and priests. Be who God has called you to be. Step into your destiny. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. And this is a verse. Shake myself from the dust. That when people sat in the dust, Back then it was a position of mourning and grief and bereavement. And, and we would call it being in the doldrums. But, but it was, people would literally sit in the dust, even put dust on themselves, to show they were in mourning. God said, let your mourning days be over. Shake the dust off you. And dust, of course, is symbolic of the flesh. Stop being carnal. Stop being fleshly. Shake that off. Shake thyself with dust, arise and sit down. Arise and sit down, literally means arise and sit down 
And, and it's always, again, a bit of an oxymoron because your eyes could be sitting and you see get out of the dust and sit in an elevated chair. Sit in a throne. Sit in a chair that's made for nobles. Sit in a chair with a footstool. When they made uh, chairs back then for nobles and kings and princes, they always made them that high that you had to have a footstool. He's saying, be a royal priesthood. Be kings and priests. Take your place. Where do we take our place? In prayer. That's the place where we govern the nations, brothers and sisters. You don't have access to Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, all these people, but you have access to the one who rules over them. You can get to heaven any time. And come boldly to the throne of grace. Don't come timid. You're not commanded to come timid. God's not given you the spirit of timidity, but he has given you the spirit of boldness. And you go before the Lord and you say, Father, we need your help at this time. We need this nation turned brown. And you give me the words to pray because they're in this book. And they'll work. But you have to arise. Awake, he says, and arise. Wake up to the need and arise to your position that God has called you to, which is the place of intercession and prayer. Not as beggars and mendicants, not as worms and wretches, but as saints of the Most High God. Dominion is given to the saints of the Most High. If God wants us to exercise dominion in prayer, if my people, and of course the path is humility, and will humble themselves. But he says, if my people will take the place and rise and sit down. And sometimes, Sitting down on the knees, yeah. But he said, if you'll take the place in prayer, then I'll hear. From heaven, I'll send help and healing your life. He says, Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Loose thyself from this feeling and idea. That all things are just going to get worse. It's going to be second lockdowns. No, 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 no. All that. Things are going to get far worse. Oh, no, oh, no. Loose thyself from fear. Loose thyself from negative prophecies that come from fear. And start saying, I'll yet see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Thy kingdom come, your will, your will be done. You don't need long prayers. You just need to pray those simple words. In fact, long prayers is evidence of a lack of faith very often. We're not here to prove ourselves as wonderful prayers. We're here to do business with God. And, you know, if you spend hours in prayer, wonderful. But you can get more done in five minutes with faith. Twelve hours of desperation and yabba yabba. We're out of time, folks. But that phrase, I'll let it sink in awake, awake to the need and arise to the place that God has called us all to, which is the answer to that need, and that is to take a place before the throne of God.
as intercessors, as prayers, as those who take upon themselves the responsibility of turning a nation. We need this nation to turn back to God. We need this nation to become once more a holy, set-apart nation of people. What a wonderful privilege that we're called to do just that. But let's do it the biblical way and not in our own understanding. Amen? Well, we need to uh, call a halt there.